Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast. My name is Paul LaFavor. I'm here with my Ranger buddy, Micah Dunford. We've got a new Ranger buddy. Uh, uh, I know you were uh, waiting to hear uh, Mike Blackburn. Mike is out on a special assignment in Africa. He's been there for a couple of months. Uh, He's probably trying to figure out what the Chinese are up to over there uh, with their economic sabotage and all their goings-on. It's very insidious. Uh, but Micah, old friend of mine, uh, brought him into the G-Base. We had the, the uh, long and uh, the near far wreck, brought him in. And, uh, and we're here today talking about something that we've talked about before. And, but before I get into that, I just want to welcome you to the podcast today, Micah. Thank you, brother. It's great to be here. Yeah, man. I mean, this is something we've been wanting to talk about for a while uh, with you. Uh, and that's something we talked about before is how you live out what you believe, uh, being in the military. And so let me just set the, the stage here, okay? So, uh, you know, Micah, uh, you know, he's a veteran of the 5th uh, Special Forces Group. Uh, he's a, a veteran instructor out of Robin Sage. Uh, he's also a uh, guy has been around the world. He's been in Iraq and Syria, among other places. Uh, and before I forget to say this, uh, he is the founder of the Way Men's Fellowship Podcast, and the Rambling Veteran Podcast. So, I mean, you guys got to check that out. Uh, but, you know, Mike and I, we linked up, and uh, we've been talking about the same type of thing that I have gotten ready to start talking about, and that is since 2010, I've had soldiers, you know, uh, out of the Green Beret factory at Camp McCall, they'd ask me, how do you live a godly life for Christ and then go to war, close with, destroy the enemies of your country without violating Christ's command of love your enemies. And you wouldn't believe how many people have asked me that. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you could believe. But, I mean, probably 70% of the guys I interacted with, and I just put out a metric, since 2010, having gone to the Bible studies, 70% of those guys, you know, 7 out of 10, they'll ask that question. Hmm. And I think... That's a really good question, and that's really what we were talking about, and that's the the focus of today's podcast. You want to spend a you know a good amount of time on that because I think that's time well spent. I mean, Absolutely. what do you what do you think? Just to kind of get the uh, you know break break the ice here. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because it segues perfectly. I was walking down in the river in Clarksville this weekend, had my birthday celebration with all my boys with me, and we're at this river fest place. You know, tons of bands and. and in restaurants, food trucks, or whatever. And I recognize a guy staring at me, and I'm like, what is going on, right? And, uh, you know, I walk over, and it was one of my students from Robin Sage. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say any names because he's still active in fifth group. He just got back from Syria. We had a good conversation, you know, maybe a half an hour, just sitting there broing out, and uh, I miss the guy. He knows I'm a Christian. I know he's a Christian. I remember when he was a student, right? And he uh, 
he, the very first thing he hit me up on the entire time we talked basically was like the struggle and his wife was there and his baby girl, the struggle that they're having in fifth group, it, it, nothing to do with fifth group, just NSF in general, being around a dude, a bunch of dudes that aren't Christians that are going out on these training missions, blah, 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 yeah. just acting crazy. A perennial question. Exactly. Yeah. And then trying yeah. to retain the faith and be like a good man to his wife and to God and live out God's, you know, his duty for God on this earth. Good and he him. was he was struggling yeah. with it. I'm like, man, I'll give you a little bit of wisdom, but like, it's a tough it's a tough battle, you know. Especially when you're in the mix on an ODA deploying around those dudes, it's tough. No doubt. I mean, uh, you're talking uh, high deployment uh, tempo. We're talking, you know, eight nine months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, group like fifth. You know, it's also a lot of deployments. You're talking uh, if they're not combat deployments, and you also got J sets, and you got your local training. So you got a lot of time away from your family. And then you're trying to be a man, which is difficult in today's age. It is. Right? Yeah, everything's so against like, you. Yeah. What's a man? And, you know, and it's a toxic masculinity and all these things. So you're trying to be a man, you're trying to be a dad, trying to be a husband, and then you're trying to live out your faith. Yep. And then you're surrounded on some some teams more than others, a lot of potentially a lot of pagans, mm-hmm. highly trained pagans, humanist pagans. Almost, yeah. yeah. These are guys that have made it to the queue. They got the great hat. They got all the scary badges, but they're going to hell. Mm-hmm. Ultimately. It, yeah, ultimately. And so you're you're working with these guys, and uh, their morals, they're not up to snuff. And it's tough. It is. I mean, as someone who's done it myself, it is tough. It is uh, a very taxing environment. It's a trying environment, and one where you're not given a lot of answers. Mm-hmm. And so you have to discover this yourself. And so I that that is the perennial question. I mean, I can just see that guy asking you that. I mean, think of, I can think of so many times I've been asked that too, and not had really the best answer mm-hmm. and an answer that I'm still trying to find out the best answer myself. At but, our age. Uh, yeah. Uh, but you know, I'm 51, you're 30 something, right? 38, you know, the ripe old age. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just got to mention this, uh, in, uh, uh Aristotle's, uh, art of rhetoric. He says that, you know, a man is his strongest from 30 to 35, his smartest when he's in his fifties. Oh, really? So maybe I got you. I don't know. All right. Yeah. But I, I think you can definitely, uh, you know, uh, monkey stop me here where we're talking, but, and I think you're probably smarter too, but that's oh, why we got you. That's why we brought you to G base. <laughs> no, it's crazy yeah. what you're saying about, yeah. Like, cause you'll, you get mentored right in SF and whatever, you know, soft branch you're in or whatever. And, I can only think of on my hand so many, maybe three instances ever where I had mm. a somebody above me, right, a leader, bring mm. me to the side and offer me sage, good advice that would line up with ethics that were espoused in Christianity. Man, good, valuable is... ethics, other than like, oh, well, just blah, 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 do this and just get drunk and blah, you know? No and then doubt. the same dudes that are living out that crazy life, right, offering terrible advice, conversely are the same ones trying to get you in trouble six months down the road for, for doing some the very things that they do themselves or taught you to do. No doubt. That is so true. Uh, I mean, my, I mean, my uh, examples, you know, my first team, mm-hmm. you know, they were more pagan. You know, I had nobody. And then where I, where I was at the time, I was very prodigal and I was doing my thing, you know, so, you know, sowing my wild oats, as yeah. they say in the Orient Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Somebody may know me from those days. Thank you for not telling others about it. <laughs> but yeah, I was a, a wild center and I didn't really have somebody you know, that would say, Hey, or maybe I wasn't listening. 
That could be it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I maybe I wasn't on the right wavelength. That's probably it because I know there was a guy there. I just wasn't listening. But, but yeah, praise God for those guys that I did have. Mm-hmm. Later on, they would just give me that that moment and go, "Hey, man, you know," and just drop like a knowledge bomb, drop something that's distilled, that especially something that they've learned themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and it may not be as may not be a perfect example of living that out, but. But, you know, none of us on this side of eternity are perfect. No. But what guys want is genuine. That's what they want. I know that's what I want. I want somebody that I know they're not perfect. And, by the way, if uh, you're new to this podcast, you know that I certainly am not. And I know Mike, he's not either. No, by but, far. But we do like to share our mistakes. Absolutely. And we want to help you guys today. And so this is a great topic. Yeah. And so let me just ask you this. Uh, maybe I can... Uh, set the stage again. Um, and podcasts in the past, we've talked about some distinctions mm-hmm. with uh, maybe we can look at this um, in one of two ways. One, some people often, they'll set up a, an argument and say, well, Jesus said to love your enemies and to turn the other cheek, pray for your enemies. And that's that's absolutely true. That's That's Matthew 5. But then other people would say, see, how can be, you be a soldier, all right? So let me maybe we could just start off by doing that. Maybe we can just say, okay, what about that argument where people say, you know, how can you be a soldier if, if the Lord says in the Sermon on the Mount, this is what his standards are? Maybe maybe this is a good place to get started. It, it's I mean, how tough. do we answer that? <laughs> it's a tough, it's conundrum. Um, you know, so many leaders even back to Jesus' day when he's live in the ministry for those three years, right? Like bringing the heat, healing people. You know, the disciples were seeing it. The crowds were seeing it. The leaders were seeing it. Sanhedrin, everybody, right? And still not believing to a large part, right? And they would always try to trip Jesus up. They would sit on the sidelines, you know, and they would try to throw little things at him and try to trip him up in his own words. And and we see it countless times in the New Testament, right? So I think no still doubt, to this yeah. day, people are going to pick at you if you're a Christian. If you're trying to live this life, it doesn't mean like you're perfect, mm. like we said, right? You're trying to live this moral life and model yourself after Jesus, which it also says in the New Testament. Um, yeah, that's a great point. So we're living that, and people are going to pick at you, and they're going to try to sharpshoot the way that you're living, right? And in this particular example, how do you rectify that with, with combat and then still trying to espouse a life, you know, modeled after Jesus, which, you know, isn't modeled after violence, obviously. He... You know, the, the ideas of Christianity and his movement and, and his life, resurrection, led to the greatest revolution in history, which was, what, peaceful. Not, not, a, not a sword was, was thrown, you know, and, and Christianity took over the Roman Empire. So it's amazing, but we got to look at, like, the content and the context of all these verses and, and how we apply yes. that to our lives. You know? That's a great point, Mike, is context. So uh, I think D.A. Carson said something like that. He's a... Uh, you know, he's a pastor's theologian, mm-hmm. uh, but he said, uh, you know, a text out of uh, out of context is a, a pretext for a proof text. Mm. So when you lift something out of its context, I mean, you can do whatever you want with it. Exactly. And, and uh, this is a really big distinction here is uh, just to understand that uh, the kingdom of God is not propagated by the sword. So it's not with swords, loud clashing or roar of stirring drums, but with deeds of love and mercy, the heavenly kingdom comes, as the hymn says. But that's the whole point is we don't, unlike Islam, right, mm-hmm. which is all about if they don't believe, cut the head off, you know, blow them up, whatever. You know, Christianity is not that. 
It is we don't, uh, you know, expand the kingdom of God and the gospel with the sword. We don't do that. And so I think that's a really important distinction is uh, Jesus never said, hey, take up arms. I'm the king. No, he said, I'm a, my kingdom is not of this world. Exactly. And so uh, when people wanted to come and take him by king, he said, nope, that's not the kind of king I am. And even when Peter, you know, he's probably trying to cut off the guy's head and the guy ducked at the last minute, cut off the guy's ear. He's like, hey, that's, you know, put your sword in its place. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not going to bring out, this is not going to bring about, you know, uh, the, the righteousness of God. This is not, you know, going to bring about the kingdom of God. So, when he could have killed Saul. Yeah. Yep, yep. I mean, uh, just the idea of, uh, I think that that's the probably maybe the first level is understanding that as you're, you're a soldier and you're serving in the, uh, in the Army, Marines, Air Force, you know, Navy, whatever, Coast Guard, got to throw them in there. Space Force. Yeah. yeah. Throw them all. Space Force. There you go, man. <laughs> is uh, you're, you're a, a citizen of heaven as a Christian mm-hmm. and of the United States. Absolutely. So you have dual citizenship, if you will. You're, you have a spiritual citizenship. That's what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 3. Uh, that you're, you're uh, that's Philippians 3, sorry, that we have a citizenship in heaven, but, you know, you're also a citizen of this great country, the greatest nation. we got this and vessel. So this it's okay. Vessel. Yeah. So you may serve in the armed forces, which is great, right? But you're also primarily, first of all, serving the Lord Christ mm-hmm. as a citizen. So I think maybe that's the first distinction that must be known. It is, absolutely. Um, I've always divided my priorities or uh, ideology, worldview on God, family, country. I think that's how it should go personally, my line in life, right? I'm with you. Yeah. God, family, country, I'm there. Yeah, so that try. is a priority, absolutely. I, I, yeah, for sure. I, I've always tried, you know, and, and I'm a patriot. I love America, old America, not woke 2023 America. Yeah. But, I mean, ultimately, like, we... We fall in. We try to live that Christian life. Of course, we're going to fall down. Of course, we're sinners. We have human innate sin nature, and we're not always going to do right, right? But I know what I want to do right, and, and I think a lofty endeavor would be what I model my career, and, and the same as you, is to free the oppressed, right, in SF. Like, that's a it. pretty good yeah. worldview right there. It is. Plenty I mean, of people out there. There's active slavery right now in the world, and we've seen it because we've been to yeah. Africa, the Middle East, right? It exists. Nobody's talking about it. Active slavery. That's a good dual mission, too. It is. Liberate the oppressed. I mean, yeah, it's you awesome. You go far with that. That's why you got to love the SF Regiment. Mm-hmm. That's, our, that's our motto, man. It's pretty awesome <laughs> to think about, right? It is. But in the course of that, you're going to experience things. And I, I've had, especially since I got out in March and retired, I have definitely had pretty down feelings, you know, mm. about what we did overseas and, like, what I saw and was it worth it? Did it contribute any good to the world? Any con- any good to those people? Thoughts every veteran God's has. kingdom. Yeah. 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 And it's a tough debacle I'm still wrestling with, and hopefully yeah. we can get some answers today. Yeah. No, I mean, no doubt is, uh, you know, we look at, um, I look at Iraq, look at Afghanistan, and like, what did we do? Mm-hmm. You know, all the blood and treasure that we, we spent there. What, what, what was it all for? And, you know, I think, um, you know, perhaps... We may not have that answer, you know what I mean? But we know that, um, I know one thing, uh, I was, the Lord was able to make a difference in my little war within a war over there. Mm-hmm. And there were some people around me, and I know that he touched some people. 
Yes. And yes. so, you know, we may not have won the conflict. I mean, we, you know, we win all the battles. This is our thing, right? When we lose the war, we've done that a few times. Mm-hmm. You know, we could stomp people back to the Stone Age. But in, my whole point is uh, a lot of people wonder if their life ever had a meaning or a difference, but I don't think veterans have to ask that question because they a know. veteran always makes an impact. And I think we made an impact also because, and, and this is kind of an aside, but I know that the gospel had inroads into Afghanistan mm-hmm. in ways it never could have without the war. Yeah, totally. Now, I'm not trying to condone everything we did over there. I mean, you know, it's it was good to destroy the Taliban and to kill Osama bin Laden. It was great. It was righteous. It was good for us to do nothing would have been unrighteous. You know, but the way we the way things evolved and went, I, I mean, I'm not going to try to talk on that, but there were some good things that happened, and I personally witnessed those things happen. And and you just multiply that by all the guys that went over there. We got to know that that made a difference. But yeah, you're right. I think for years we're going to wonder what was that all for, and the people we lost, and I think it's just part of war. But yeah, we definitely need some. There's some healing that needs to happen. I know that. I mean, I speak personally for myself, and I know a lot of from my brothers. It's the same boat. I mean, it's just that's the burden we bear as as soldiers. Yeah, exactly. And we um, have to. I guess you could apply it to stoicism in the sense that, like, okay, what change can you actually affect? Is all the weight on the success or failure of those wars going to be on Paul and Micah's shoulders? No, never. We're not in that place in history, right? So we can trust and, and hope and pray for our leaders to make the mm. right decisions, and that's between them and God ultimately, right? But right now, like, as young Paul and young Micah held their hands up to serve, support, defend, uphold the Constitution of America, right, at that time in history, we were a, a able body, young men, ready to go to war, ready to fight the good mm. fight. We saw bad guys on TV chopping people's heads off, you know, because they were not the right brand of Islam or they were Christians or, or whatever. They listened to music. That's not right. Yeah. So I think to do nothing in light of that and to know that that's going on, that innocent people are being killed, is a complete disservice to, to yeah. not only Christianity, but just the mere fact of being a human yeah. and protecting others around you. Yeah, well said. You have to turn a blind eye. And that's what, I mean, this is the, uh, um, this is what brought us to, to join the regiment. Mm-hmm. This is what, which what brings people to join the ranks of whatever brand of service they go into is because they want to make a difference. They want to make an impact. They want to serve. They love their country. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, we, that's the thing. I think um, to do nothing would be just wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and then we're the guys as the guardians of the Republic that want to do something to you know, make an impact. I think, uh, I think something I got out of what we just talked about too is uh, we do pray for our enemies mm-hmm. and we pray for our leaders um, I mean, that's First Peter chapter 2 is we pray for our Congress. I think they, they need a lot of help right now. They do, man. Uh, we need to pray for our president. Uh, a lot of prayer there, right? Pray he can formulate uh, a sentence. <laughs> yeah, pray that he can form. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, there's a lot of prayer that's needed. And also that uh, uh, good prayers, what kind of good prayers would be for that is uh, that we would get uh, a, better, a better Congress, a better administration. That's my prayer. We yep. would get an administration that would lead our country back to its uh, foundational roots, which I would argue are founded on the Word of God, founded on the Christian faith, founded on. I know we have you know liberty of uh, f- you know freedom of religion here, but 
this country was founded on the Christian faith. It Absolutely. was. Absolutely, yeah, and it's beautiful. And uh, I think we, it's high time that we, we get, if, if, I would just use the Alexis uh, de Tocqueville again, you know, democracy in America. See, America is great because she's good. I mean, this is a guy that saw this country back in the 1840s. And he saw, you know, churches. He saw everything. He said, "Oh, he saw the good and the bad and ugly of America." And he said, "But he said America is great because she's good." And he also said, "If America ceases to be good, she will no longer be great." And I think I'm not the the kind that want to stick my head in the sand and just wait for Christ to return, right? No thanks. Yeah, you, know, you know, I I think Why we can make a change. We can make a difference. We can make an impact. And it and and at least I can do it by prayer. And I mean, when I say at least, that's the most powerful weapon in my arsenal yeah. as a believer. Yep. So I don't want to say, well, I can at least do that. It's like, well, uh, if enough Christians, uh, American Christians are praying, then maybe the Lord says he would heal. He would hear us and he would heal our land. And I think there's not enough of that. And I'm just saying, me personally, I'm not praying enough for our leaders. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm not. <laughs> I'll talk crap about them all day. but I, I've got plenty of jokes <laughs> uh, you know, as I'm sure you do too, but that's tough. And so I think something else I'm seeing that we're fleshing out is, you know, we said, how do you live a godly life for Christ? Serve with distinction, uh, you know, serve your country in the military with distinction, and then destroy, potentially destroy the enemies of our country without violating Christ's command of love your enemies. And I'm saying that's that's tough. It's difficult. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, both. You're, 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 uh, there's a lot. I mean, you're on a pedestal, you know, as a believer already. And then you're going to be asked to do these things, you know, potentially run to the sound of the guns, you know, whatever branch you're in, drop ordinance, whatever. So it's, it's going to be tough. And then you're going to be rubbing elbows with people that, you know, more and more every day that are you know, potentially not Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, when I grew up, I was born in 72, right? When I grew up in the 70s and 80s, there were, there were a lot more Christians around, it seemed. And when I joined the service, I mean, I remember the chaplains, they could actually invoke the name of Jesus, right? And you would have these prayers. It wasn't a big deal. And now, later on, they're like, hey, they're not supposed to do that anymore. They're not allowed to say Yeah, they're not, spo- they're not allowed to say Jesus in a, uh, a unit function prayer. Now, everyone is their own sermon, and you go to it, no problem. Okay. And I see, you know, people on both sides of the aisle argue that's good, and I don't think that's good, actually. Uh, I think the, the chaplain should be praying his conscience. And, yeah, I mean, that's just, just my take. This is a Christian nation, right? We're founded this way. You know, our, our founding fathers, all they prayed before Congress, before the joint, the sessions of Congress, they prayed. You still swear in. I mean, despite, I know nobody, no, it doesn't mean anything now. We're but. so afraid of talking about our American heritage, our American Christian heritage. Yeah. And we're so afraid about getting fired and canceled and that we just don't even talk in these ways anymore. So We've been told that we should feel guilty about that and that yeah. it's, you know, supports uh, the patriarchy or, or white, you know, nationalism or whatever yeah. they throw at us, you know, which yeah. is, is silly. It's, it's, it is. Complete targeting. The but. little talking points. But, yeah, my whole point is, that whole little diatribe is it's tough. Yeah. And so you just recognize, hey, if you want to do this, now if you just want to live like a pagan, I can tell you all about that and serve in the military and shoot folks. Yeah, you can do that. That's yeah. I know lots of people that do that. And I would also, I know this is way past what we started to say, but I think it's important to say this is, 
a lot of my friends that have uh, that have gone have taken their own lives. I look back at a lot of those, and they did not have faith. In fact, I, I'm just going to say that. I'm going to be bold. None of my friends that took their lives I had faith, personally. Now, I'm not saying that's everybody, but I'm just saying the best way to, you know, prevent suicide ideation and take it and following through with all that is having faith. And I'm not saying that's, that's a bold statement, but I'm just saying having that is, uh, you know, I put steel into your spine. That's going to help you from getting into the, this, uh, you know, warrior class and getting out of it. When the revolving door is over, you get in out and now you're retiring, you're a veteran. How do you maintain your sanity your, your status, your focus, that's tough. Is, if you yeah. don't have faith, <clears throat> there is a world of hurt out there that can put the stank on you, right? I mean, anyway, that was just a little bit aside. But I think what I'm saying is it's not easy. Just maybe the first thing. <laughs> no, As absolutely. We're, we're going down, a, uh, we're building this argument. And, and we knew going into it, we were like, we'll see where this goes. Right? Yeah, so it's kind of fun. So it's exploratory. There. Uh, but yeah, so that, um, what do you think, um, now I, I talked about this earlier is, uh, you know, people talk about, uh, they try to pit Jesus against the other parts of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe that's, maybe that's, uh, would be a useful segue, right? Uh, so for, for example, people often will, will quote, um, Romans five or excuse me, uh, Matthew five and say, Hey, Jesus says, turn the other cheek. So having said there's a dual citizenship, my argument, and I'll see if you can agree, is Jesus is talking about uh, evangelism, personal evangelism, sharing the gospel. He's not talking specifically about being a soldier in the context of turning your other cheek. Because when we were attacked by the Japanese on December 7th, 1941, if we would have turned the other cheek, Every time the Japanese would have attacked us, there would be no more United States, I would argue. Same thing with the Germans, if they ever would have made it here, right? There would be no more United States. Same thing with the family. If someone breaks into your house, and I would look at the same context of, you know, Japanese, uh, uh, the, the day of infamy when they attacked us unprovoked. It's just like someone breaking into your house. If you do nothing and you turn the other cheek, your, your family potentially is gone or raped or whatever. Yeah. And so I think the context, like you said, is crucial. The context of the Sermon on the Mount is a personal evangelism, sharing the gospel, not serving. I mean, would you agree? No, totally, totally. Because what we're doing, what people do that try to pull that argument out, um, they, they pull it out, rip it out of context, and yeah. then they set it up on this pedestal and make it this edict. As if Jesus says that in application for all the rest of your life, for a nuclear war with Japan and and what a fist fight down the street, whatever that it all is turn your turn the other cheek, yeah. right? And love your enemies, blah blah blah, right? Pray for your enemies, but it, it, that doesn't pertain to all of life, and that is exactly right. What you're saying is that's not even what he was talking about. I mean, God, he was sending the disciples out, remember, to to preach to the multitudes, and he didn't even want them to preach to Gentiles at that point, only Jews, I believe. And mm -hmm. then when he brought them back in. Then they went back out and they started preaching to everybody, right? Um, <clears throat> Gentiles included, and that was a big thing at the time, a couple thousand years ago. 
Um, and that's specifically what he was said because they asked him specifically, what do we do? Because they knew they were going to get spit on, get rocks thrown mm-hmm. at them, and they did. I'm sure there was some face slapping that yeah. happened. Yeah, exactly. And, you know? and some, uh, you know, dusting off of the sandals. Yes, yes. And they're like, okay, you don't want to, that's fine. And, and yeah, and that, so that's an important distinction. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think, you know, as a soldier, you can do that. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing that, let's say in the ranks, Somebody, you know, you're sharing and they go, and they all but slap you in the face. Or they tell you off, tell you where to go, give you a special hand and arm signal, right? Yeah. Whatever. Then that's, then you are to take it. I mean, that's context, right? Yeah, yeah. That's it. So you, you, somebody in your neighborhood, and they say, forget you, screw you, whatever, then you, you know, you offer them the other cheek. So meaning that you don't give up and you don't retaliate. Yes, yeah. So that's, and that ain't easy either. I agree, I agree. I'll take it as that, yeah. Like, I'm not sure if I can do that. I mean, honestly, I've never had someone, I've never had somebody slap my face when I've shared the gospel. And I've heard, I've had them shut the door in my face. Mm-hmm. And I've had them tell me off and tell me where to go. But it's not easy. So, I mean, that's really, really important distinction. Yeah, I would almost, like, apply it to, like, as a soldier, right? We've all had those douchey, you know, maybe, like, a sergeant major above us who came in or some officer, and they just tell you something really stupid, not even tactically feasible whatsoever or logical, and you're just like, it's something about your uniform in the midst of combat or your beard or something stupid, and you're just like, Mm -hmm. yeah, okay, bud, you know, moving on. That, I would say. haircuts, yeah, I got Yeah, take the other, turn the other cheek. Okay, yes, sir, boom, march on and do actual real stuff. You go sit at your desk and do PowerPoints, okay? Move on with life. But then when it comes down to it, later on that night, now you're getting shot at. you got some guy 20 feet away from you trying to burn you down, and you're that only minister. If if anybody else in your life, right, you, you don't change, but your one task right there is to be that good, loving man to your children, your wife, or, or, or maybe just minister to your little brother back home. And right there, it's balls to the wall, and you're trying to survive and get back to that place, defend yourself, your ideology, your brothers and sisters around you, and get back to, to, to fulfill your ministry down to those people and live out the rest of your life. When you know that you're doing right and they're doing wrong, that, that is what it is, you know? Like, we didn't start the war. Um, yeah, we asked to be there, but we're, we think that we're trying to affect the most positive change in that specific role at that time in our lives. And I think we're perfectly justified through the gospel, through the power of God, right? Even following Jesus and living out all the precepts in the Bible to defend ourselves or to even aggressively carry out war if that has to come, you know, like such as World War II, where we actually had to do that, not these fake wars in 2023 that we create, you know, in order to move money around. (laughs) No doubt. So I think, yeah, that is is a super important distinction. Uh, Another one I wanted to... I think you know we. I think maybe we flesh that out. That side, uh, citizen of heaven. Mm-hmm. Now, as a citizen of heaven, you're going to turn the other cheek. You know, and and uh, when you're rejected, you dust this, you know the sand off your dust off your sandals mm-hmm. as a sign against them, which is, whew, you know, it's quite a a, a sight. It's bold, you know? yeah, <laughs> it's bold, right? <laughs> Uh, but so there's another distinction here as a citizen of the United States. So maybe we can look at that too. Um, and, and, and this is where people, I think, get confused mm-hmm. as they try to pit uh, the Apostle Paul against the Lord Jesus. They look at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, and then they come to Romans 13, and they say, aha, you know, this, gotcha. is, this is contradictory. This is mutually exclusive. 
you know, Paul's saying one thing, Jesus is saying the other, and that's not so. I mean, we can just go on record and say that the, the Apostle Paul is uh, was is, it was the Lord's uh, apostle. He was sent by him. He, he he was animated by the Spirit of Christ in him. Everything he wrote. Uh, so, so that's yeah, that's a, a, a non-starter argument. Done deal. Proven yeah. history. Yeah. But in Romans thirteen, if I could just maybe we can just walk through some of this. I think this will give us the other aspect of okay. So now you're uh, operating as a citizen of the state, okay. right? Okay, so Romans 13, 1, let me just read this, okay? Uh, Romans 13, 1, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So, wow. I mean, just just think about every authority. You're, you're a squad leader. Yep. You're a company commander. Uh, your your uh, douchey sergeant major you don't like whatever you know <laughs> yeah. your boss at work whatever uh, and then arguably uh, you could get into other authorities like okay was it a legitimate authority you know some dictator you know I'm not I'm not exactly sure you know but if it's if it's a legitimate authority I think then then this sit this fits. If it's an illegitimate authority, if it's, uh, you know, like an insurgency, like a bad one, because we foment U.S.-sponsored insurgency. So. <laughs> say it's a bad insurgency. Well, and then they take you hostage in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's not, I would say, not an authorized authority, right? So maybe we could just, we could just say that, but, and that, that's up for, for debate. But, but it says, verse 2, Therefore, whoever resists the authority... That comes from God. Resist the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. And and uh, and then it goes on to say, "For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil." Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he, and that is the ruler, that is who you know that, that authority figure is God's minister to you for good. I just it reminds us that all that God's authority is for good. It's a structure. It keeps keeps us from eating each other and going nuts, right? It keeps the animals in line and, and, and puts people behind bars when they need to and all those things. For he's God's minister for your good, but if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. And so I want to just camp out there on verse 4. Mm-hmm. So if you can see that, um, so the, the, the context here is this is a judge, perhaps. He has been given the authority of the state. And we just say, look, the, you know, God gives authority to the United States. So the United States has authority to defend itself, to uh, judge its citizens that are wrong, and also to conduct war. Uh, and then we could debate whether such wars are just or unjust, and that could that would be quite another podcast. Mm-hmm. But but just that aside, uh, the idea is a judge in this case, like say a civil uh, authority, and uh, he says, you know, such and such, you broke the law, and now you will serve time, or you will be executed. And he's doing that with the authority that God gave him, and and so what the apostle is saying. You know, be afraid if you do evil because he's not bearing that sword in vain. That sword is essentially God's sword, God's sword of justice. And so here's my long stretch. A soldier is a lesser magistrate. 
He's, he's not a judge and executioner. I don't want to get weird and say we're killing for Christ or something weird like that. But serving in the military, you are uh, a sub, you are, um, uh, I wanted to say a subaltern. You're, you're a lesser magistrate of the state. You're official of the state. Yeah. You're a servant of the state. And you're Forcing executing. Policy. Yeah, it's a, and so you're executing. So when you're executing the foreign policy objectives of the United States, mm-hmm. Which is what you do when you go down range, yep. or as an extension of politics. When you do that, you're serving, and you have a sword that you're not to use in vain. Uh, so I mean, it says so much there. So I mean, in that context, when the twin towers fell, what we did was righteous. You know, to to take out those men who organized that to kill Osama bin Laden. That was righteous. That was just. That was good. To do nothing would have been unloving and unjust because we we bear that sword that has been appointed the authority by God mm-hmm. to the government. Not just not to say that that sword can't be used wrongly, because mm-hmm. you have you have governments like uh, let's say the Sunni government of Mali or Mauritania that can wrongly imprison Christians and execute them, and they're misusing the power of the sword to do that. And I would argue that, even though it's a Sunni Muslim government, I would say, yeah, that's an authorized government, but they're using the authority wrongly. Just as the authority Rome had, they misused to kill Jesus and the apostles and and all of, you know, 10 terrible persecutions. And, and when our own government uses the sword wrong, they misuse the power of the sword. But my, I mean, that was a long little spiel, but um, I mean, I wanted you to weigh in on that too. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's tough because, yeah, we each have our role, right? And and if they, uh, a politician, a judge, whomever, um, creates these, these policies, right? And then they obviously in their little fancy suits and their robes and fake hair aren't going to go out and enforce those policies, right? They're going to sit back and drink their tea and, you know, whatever, and their, their fancy abode. We're going to go out and enforce those policies, and we have to trust that that they are ultimately lined up with ethics and, and morals, you know, that that support our our commonality as a nation. Because right, we we all came together at some point in time. Nations were drawn because there was some type of commonality, whether tribal, religious, societal, whatever it was. Right? Maybe even just a language at some point. But we have to trust that they're going to be carrying out the, the right things and their duties. And ultimately I think that's between them and God, just as it is when we're sitting there on guard in the middle of Baghdad, either to switch that safety selector over to fire or to keep it on safe and to execute that policy correctly, given what we're seeing right there with our human eyes, the threat, the situation, you know, of course, Met TC comes down to it. But I think that's on us to, I don't think we should blindly follow. That's a hard thing too. You're talking to like a hardcore libertarian agorist here. Where like I don't like laws and I don't abide by laws that I don't agree with. Just bottom line, I think that's the problem we're in right now in America is that we blindly abide by every single law, even when it's unjust. If I don't feel speed limits unjust uh-huh. or or whatever or, or some stupid law or policy, I don't b- abide by it. I also at twelve o'clock in the middle of the night, there's no traffic. I don't sit there at the red light for five minutes and wait. <laughs> I think you're just a sheep if you do right. Just go. Yeah. I mean, you're a, a no, human. This, this is a good point too, because that's uh, that. Oh, that's also back into Acts four, uh-huh. uh, and and in the context, the apostles were commanded by the uh, Sanhedrin. Uh, they got their butts kicked too, and they were commanded not to preach anymore in Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah. And they said, whether it's right in the sight of God to obey you or God, you decide. 
but we're still going to preach the gospel. Yes, yes, So I yes. think the whole point is, I like that. If, if someone is saying they're commanding you to do something, it's an unjust law. And you know it. And you know it. It's going against the law of God. Then you have uh, uh, a requirement mm-hmm. uh, as a citizen of heaven to not obey that. That's quite an expression, yes. isn't it? And that's I the mean, whole, con- that. yeah, that's the quarrel every day. You have a duty. Day. If someone's saying, hey, you can't pray, you go, well, yeah, I am. And you can't do this, and you know it violates the, the, the ordinance of God. It violates the commands of God. And that means you need to know that. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to know the Word of God, and you know it's violating the Word of God and your conscience. Then you say, sorry, pal, you know, do what you got to do. But that's a great point yeah. because we don't want to just blindly follow the government, right? That's why we have the Second Amendment, right? Mm-hmm. Resistance right. to tyranny is obedience okay. to God. Yes. Thomas Jefferson. Amen. I mean, this is one of the founders. Yep. And it's in the, the, the very foundational, I mean, the ground floor of everything is, hey, is obedience to God and your conscience. And, and don't let, don't, you know, to, like you said, you know, tyranny can happen. You know, governments can become tyrannical. We've seen that mm-hmm. with the mask mandates, with the jabs. People have gone crazy, and people's careers have been ruined. Yep. I mean, so when we just want to f- blindly follow the government, I am not saying that. We we there's a check. Mm-hmm. You know, the you know we legit the government is legitimate because of the consent of the people. Exactly. Yep. And so the. You know, I think people up there in Washington, the swamp, forgot they forget that. about it. Yeah. yeah, it's like, hey, we're the ones who are supposed to be putting you into office. <laughs> yep, I'm not sure that's been happening. No, well, there's no accountability uh, <laughs> anymore. You know, <laughs> I'm not sure it happened last time either. Uh, I'm going to say it didn't, but uh, anyway, that's all of the story. Two and two still equals four. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, you can't have a blind obedience to the civil government. There's to be obedience, mm-hmm. you know, to God and His Word, uh, but and I think it's important point here is conscience. Okay. And I think uh, maybe we can just camp out there for a second, is because uh, we're looking at two two extremes here, or two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. We're looking at your citizen of heaven as a believer, yep. as being born again, as someone who has received forgiveness through Jesus, right? Uh, and and you have born again to a living hope, and then you have. You're a citizen of the United States, the greatest nation on the earth, still, and the right? greatest dichotomy amongst ourselves, because we got yeah. human warm vessel of our body that wants to do biological things like sleep, eat, and procreate, yeah. and then we got our divine nature, our soul, which is like, hey, dude, stop doing that. Focus on the higher order here. Yeah, Paul, Michael, let's do this. No Despite doubt, coming good. That's no doubt. I mean, that's going to happen until we de- we're dead too. Yeah, until man. we pass across the threshold of eternity, we're going to be fighting this. This dual nature in us, yeah, absolutely. But just that, just this idea of your conscience. So, just a, I'm just excited to say this because I read some of the Puritans on okay. this. But uh, I think it was uh, William Ames. He talked about it was a Puritan father. He talked about the conscience, the cases of conscience, uh, and he talked about uh, in the Puritan uh, definition, a conscience. They just looked at the word level. Mm-hmm. So conscience in Latin is, uh, you know, science means knowledge, scientia, and then conscientia just means joint knowledge. So it means in the Puritan understanding, your understanding of uh, how God is is uh, seeing you, you know, the knowledge that you have of God knowing what you're doing. Like you conscientious. Understand. Yeah. Okay. So you, 
It's your knowledge of God's uh, seeing everything you're doing. Wow. And so okay. the conscience is the uh, judgment uh, seat of the soul, the judgment yes. hall of the soul. So you can have a, a witness, a register, a judge, an executioner, all those things. So your conscience can slay you. Your conscience can bring you up on charges. Mm-hmm. It can make you feel really bad. You can have witnesses in your conscience, and then your conscience can just uh, you know, adjudicate, and then it can just execute you and slay you. Until things are right, yes, yes, it's really, really bad, and 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 that's true, mm-hmm. and and so I think what's really important here is what's going on in your conscience, you know, and and so when you're faced with this question, this question that we're going back to is, you know, how do you serve, you know, uh, with distinction as a Christian and kill people without violating Christ's command of love your enemies, and and we haven't got to that end part yet, but at least it needs to be. It's by your conscience. Your conscience is so important to this whole process. That's a great start, and it makes me think of what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. And I was studying up for these show notes and making them and studying into the Bible verse and, and our topics, right? And I was thinking about it, and I'm like, okay, all those minute Micah experiences, my little bubble in, in conflict, Iraq, Syria, wherever, right? Lebanon with some. Um and you see these things, and they have a direct kind of scar on your conscience because it's not normal to see a little girl sit there and starve on the side of the road or a little boy with his body blown up when you have the boy the same age back home waiting for you to get back. Like, it's, none of that's normal, right? So that yeah. stuff pulls, and that shows, that proves that there's a difference between the human vessel body here on earth that goes into the soil whenever we die six feet, and then the soul that goes heaven, hell, wherever the heck it goes. I don't even know. But that proves it right there because there's an indelible mark. Even when we do bad, say we mess up, you know, last year did something really bad to a woman or this and that, whatever it is, right? It doesn't matter. You said something really wrong to your parents, like whatever, right? It makes this mark on your conscience. And that's the things, and we know this as being humans, whether we want to admit it or not. When we're trying to go to sleep at at 11 o'clock tonight and those things that keep you up and make you feel guilty, make you feel bad, make you feel bad about yourself and your decisions, right, that you made, that proves it right there. Mm-hmm. That that makes a scar on your soul and your conscience because it, it kills you. And it kills you. That's what we see in conflict. Ten years later, we're still dealing with it because it cut into our soul, and it, and it hurts us still to this day. So to make sense of that with our human brains and our human logic is very difficult because some of that stuff just doesn't make sense. You know, no. a little kid dead in Syria, that doesn't make logical sense for us, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, one of my favorite books is by uh, uh, Vander Kolk. It's uh, The Body Keeps the Score. I've heard that, yeah. Uh, but also the, the soul keeps the score. Yes, yes. You know, uh, just like you're saying, I mean, it, 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 uh, it causes an indelible mark on our soul, an imprint on our soul, all these, all these bad things that we see. And, you know, the idea is what do we do with those? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have these, uh, these cathartis, cathartic moments. We don't have some kind of... Um, ease of those. I mean, I mean, they just carry those. I think that's where that's the long and short of it, isn't it? Yeah, the guys that's not our just, brains in the yeah. middle of the night hurting us. That's our souls. Yeah, we carry things back with us from where we went, and those you know we carry those experiences with us for the rest of our days, and we got to make sense of those things, or they could they could bring us down. Yeah, they'll own you. And uh, but abs- absolutely. I mean, so there there is the, the conscience is real. Yes. So, you know, we can't put it under a microscope, you know. Can't uh, weigh it. Can't weigh it. You know, it, you know, maybe your soul weighs eight ounces. 
That's the I saw legend. that. Yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they tried to measure at University yeah. of Virginia, and it weighed like 0. .6 ounces or something. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I like it's eight because it's a better number than six. I don't yeah. know, but Fire. but uh, but you know whatever. But the idea is, yeah, it's real. Yeah. And uh, you know, so we're made in the image of God. Here's the other thing, you know, we're we're taking the life of uh, you know another <clears throat> person who's made in the image of God. Yes, it's tough, and uh, we're knowingly doing that. Um. So that's just kind of getting us a little bit closer to the end of this premise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a conscience. Yeah, so we totally. have a part of us is going to live off. It's going to live on when we shuffle off this mortal coil. Mm-hmm. We go to heaven or hell, right? Uh, we're we're going to exist. And so it's a part of us that is like the innermost part of us, right? Yep. And uh, and so that's kind of where I wanted to go is, is uh, and Paul talks about that too, you know, going back to Romans 13, you know, he, he kind of gets this stuff out of the way, and he says, hey, look, um, verse 5, <clears throat> therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath, because, you know, God's wrath, but but also for conscience' sake. Mm. Oh. Is that the punishment? Like, yeah, you're yeah. going to get the wrath, but in the meantime, yeah. your conscience is going to be cutting at you, bud. Yeah, I mean, that's the idea. It's because you think about it, you know, um, you, you know, if it's done wrong, your conscience is going to be affected. If it's done right, then your conscience arguably will be clean, mm-hmm. clear, all those things. Uh, and I think that's a really important distinction. Uh, and and uh, the other thing I want to bring in here, I don't, maybe this is a good point, is we've talked about before, is a famous example of David and how he, as a warrior, killed tens of thousands of the enemies of Israel. He's a great warrior. I mean, he's David and his mighty men. I mean, who doesn't like that? Which Christian warrior does not like David? Uh, I mean, come on. It was a young man who walked down to the valley, faced a giant, and he just sent him, sent him to the next world, right? Uh, and you know that sling, that that stone out of that sling had to be like, you know, like 900 feet per second. I don't know, like a <laughs> 9 by 19. That thing was flying. Uh, uh but he did some amazing things for Israel, for the Lord, righteously. Mm-hmm. He killed righteously. But then, you know, famously, he murdered uh, one of his mighty men, Uriah, the Hittite. And he did that because he impregnated Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. And then he lied his, you know, his tail off, uh, sent the guy to his death, tried to cover all up. In fact, he... After he impregnated his uh, Bathsheba, or Uriah's wife, he tried to get him drunk and get him to go home and and procreate with her so that he would cover all that up, and that didn't work either because the guy was loyal to him, mm-hmm. <laughs> loyal to a fault, yep. and then he sends him off to his death. But my whole point, I think, is obvious. There's a difference between killing and murder. Yes. And uh, I think that, I think, is probably the rub of this whole question. It maybe doesn't answer everything, but at least that's crucial to the question. You know, how do we serve with distinction? How do we kill enemies of our country as a Christian and not violate Christ's command of love our enemies? Well, you can't be murdering. You know what? I mean, rule what? One. Yeah. yeah thou so shalt rule, not murder. Rule number one. Yeah. So sixth commandment: Thou shalt not murder. And we talked about this, I think, before. King James version says, "Thou shalt not kill." A better translation, though that captures the essence of the Hebrew word uh, ratzak. It means, you know, don't take life illegally is do not kill. It's, no, not, not, not do not kill, but do not murder. And so the idea is don't take life illegally. And so he did. He 
David, in that sense, he took Uriah's life illegally. Uh, he legally took the lives of the Philistines that he was fighting for the defense of Israel, but then he took the sword and he did, used it unauthorized, and he misused the power of the sword to serve himself, and that's why it was wrong. Mm-hmm. And we've probably seen that in combat too, where people have their own little personal wars, and they just want to kill somebody because they want to kill them. And they're, totally they're unnecessary. Not, yeah, yeah, totally unnecessary kills, and they're murders. Yeah. And then they end up going someplace for that. And, and if they don't, they're going to bear that forever. And that's, I think that's my, that's where I, my argument I wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, I've seen some illegal killings, and it's, it hurt. Um, and the guy in, eventually got found out. But just to see it and witness that, it was it's a, a sickening feeling in your gut and your conscience that you know it was wrong. You can sense it immediately that it was wrong. Yeah, like growing yeah. up as a young guy, right, um, straight into combat arms, like I joined with Ranger Contract and then went into SF. I was raised by soft guys, you know, from the point of college onward. And you hear, like, these stories, and you always think, like, God, is this guy really such a psychopath that he just said that? Or is he for real, you know? You hear it for two years in the Q course, right? And then the second you go to war, like – you're exactly right. When something stupid like that does happen, it cuts at you so deep and so quick where you're just like, I don't care what I've been raised up and these, these stories that these instructors told back in the day. We were probably douchebags anyway, you know, talking like that. Yeah. And then it actually happens in front of you. And you're like, no, 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 I'm not cool with this. That's mm-hmm. incorrect. That's not right. You know, it just, it's, it's wrong. It's this clear line in our souls, whatever. We it's just a spiritual know thing. Yeah. And it, it has cuts a sp- you deep. It has a spiritual power over what's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a, an element we often dismiss in the military. Spiritual. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and this is this is an aside, but what I've been preaching on lately is the spiritual takes precedence over and controls the physical. It really does. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about the powers and principalities. You think of think about angels. Holy angels that control things mm-hmm. and they work for the Lord and they keep us safe. You don't think they have power over physical things? Oh yeah, for real, yeah, you know? totally, totally. Create so, this world. Yeah, and your soul has a uh, precedence over the physical, and and we often give in to the baser elements. Yes, but we just talked about that that your the spiritual component of being a believer has precedence and power over the flesh, mm-hmm. but we often give in, but we don't have to. That's the idea. And so when this something like this happens, it's a spiritual thing that happens. and You feel it. Yes. I mean, it has shock waves that just like impales you spiritually when you see something that's really wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's something has to happen. And if it's wrong, then there's wrath. You know, if it's done right, then there's peace. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's just so important to get that out. So what, how can you serve with distinction and close with and destroy the enemy and do it right. Well, your conscience better be right. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you drop in the ordinance, when you're, when you're firing those machine guns, whatever it is, you're, you're, you gotta putting a red dot on somebody better be right. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's discrimination is important. You know, it's right. They're righteous killings. I mean, that's the idea. I mean, just think of that because I think we've already fleshed this out that you can be a soldier and that's okay. I mean, more than okay. Mm-hmm. It's your calling. I mean, God created some people to be soldiers. 
Yeah, if anything, okay. you're living out God's God's yeah. will for you in your life at that time. Now, right. uh, granted, you know we live in a fallen world, and if there was no fall, there would be no war. There would be we no need for that. soldiers. I got it. But I believe I was born to be a soldier. Yeah, me and too. I, and I believe you were too. And, and part of the things we do is we defend, and we hate evil. And so we just don't want to do evil. I mean that's the big thing, you know. So we can yeah. we can we can do all these things, and we could we could kill whoever you want, right? We do that as the armed forces, but it better be done right. And don't you, you know? think that? Yeah, I think that maybe if you took it full circle and you looked at Paul's life and Micah's life, right? We don't have to be involved in this. I could go make way more money working at tire discounters or something else. Sure, completely nothing. If to we do were with smarter, war, yeah, or conflict or anything, you know, <laughs> we could do a million other yeah. things. But Paul and Micah are still giving back and training and doing that. We're still part of the involved. warrior class. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But I think that for me, at least, and I, I think for you too, because I know you pretty well, is that, yeah, we don't have to do that. But given all the ups and downs and the, the failures that we've had in our lives, right, but then the wisdom that came out and triumphed, and you're like, okay, that was wrong. This is how we should be applying it. This is how we should be coaching, training, and mentoring the youth who are going to fill our shoes right, and fight the nation's battles. I think that our purpose, our role, and why we do this, myself at least, is to give back in a way where they see that you don't have to hear psychopathic conversations about killing people. This guy doesn't cuss. I try not to ever cuss in front of the students. He, yeah. he at least models a good life. I try to live the best life as possible. I have yeah. massive failures, but still, I try to live a good life you, in buddy. front of them. Yeah. And I always, no matter what, even if I've done the exact opposite of my life, and I know it, I always try to give the right advice to them that's morally yeah. and equally right and lined up with Jesus' teachings, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I view it as like that's our way of throwing that wisdom back and training the next class, the next generation of warriors up to be at a higher moral standard where they're yeah. not having to deal with these things that we dealt with. Probably impossible, probably loftist and extremely positivist. I got it. But I do want to instill, even make a little etch in the warrior class and know that we can still retain these qualities and be a tough alpha male warrior that believes in Christ that can still go out and bring the heat to ISIS or, or, mm-hmm. or Al Qaeda or whomever yeah. our nation is going to be fighting. Yep. No, absolutely. I mean, I can't agree more is uh, we need more of that. So I think uh, a lot of this has to do with just people not knowing what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, we're, we're ignorant of our ignorance. And, and uh, you know, there was nobody, like I said, as, as a, uh, Less people are a Christian and you're around less believers, then you're not going to know this. And so maybe you're hearing this today and you're like, what? You guys are in Pluto. But, yeah, I mean, and that's what I was, uh, I, I, could, I should have said this. I mean, if we had another five hours, it could tell you about how Christians make the best warriors. I believe that. Because we, for at least this reason, uh, we know if it's done wrong, we ain't going to do it. Yeah. And we know if that's an illegal killing, we won't take it. Straight and up, I would, yeah. And I would one. argue that that's the most important one right there. We go, no, I'm governed by uh, God and his word, and I cannot do that. Now, it doesn't mean we're, the Christian soldiers are perfect, mm-hmm. but I would say far less Christian soldiers are making these faux pas, you know, of these malaise and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, so that's just, I would just say that. And because it's because of conscience, you know, we're, we're governed by it. That's actually God governing our lives. Yeah. And so every moment, like every room you enter, every objective, conscience is key. It's like accountability. Yeah. Almost. 
I've had a few. It's interesting to play off that. A few guys come to me that are actively doing stuff, right? Top, top tip of the spear, right? And they have had to do things, a few things, whatever it was that they told me, right? They don't even, and you know, they know of each other, but separate instances, I'm telling you. Yeah. And had hardcore issues with the stuff they've done the last few years. Yeah. yeah so so it, it really got me thinking. I'm like, these aren't even Christians. So, I yeah. mean, um, at some point, they're wrestling with it already, and they're still active. And once they get out, I really hope they find God because they have some hardcore stuff they're dealing yeah. with right now, you know. That's it. I mean, because those things, you know, the soul keeps the score, the body keeps the score. And I had, uh, you know, they can remain nameless, but um, two of my instructors, mm-hmm. you know, that I went to OTC with. Uh, of late, that took their took their lives. God, That's it's like terrible. A pandemic. Yeah, I mean, and I have uh, you know other friends. Uh, you know, my own OTC class had three of those guys take their lives. Jesus. So I don't know what's going on with you know. I, I mean, I I don't want to make the argument and make a, a blanket statement and say I knew what their faith was. I didn't in their case because I wasn't living right. I didn't even I wasn't even trying to share Jesus with them at the time. Yeah, you know, we were just doing our thing. But it can't. It, I mean, it can only help. I mean, your faith actually gives you steel in your spine when you're facing these things. Mm-hmm. And so, if you don't have faith, I mean, you're going through this alone. It can only help. So your there's nobody hurt. there in your corner, man. Or you can have heaven at your back, and and all of the arsenal of heaven and prayer to get you through this dark place. If you don't have that, I just want to. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're out there and you're just you know you. You've just been had some some thoughts in a really dark place, but uh, you know you don't have to suffer alone, and so you can you can call one of your bros. Oh yeah. You know I had um, that's probably the first thing you should do, and you should also pray. But I had a, a brother of mine, and you know brother in arms. You know I would have flown to the other side of the world for him, and he, I never knew he was suffering. He killed himself, mm. and uh, so. But yeah, if you're suffering, call one of your bros. It's okay. You're not weak. No, you know, no, no. it's actually strong to say, hey, look, I got a problem, I, I and I'm in a dark place. And you can call me. If you know me, call me. And uh, you can uh, – my number is probably on the uh, Internet. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, but we love you guys out there. I mean, we uh, there's probably so much more we could say in this, uh, you know, this topic. There's so much there. And I think we maybe just hit the tip of the iceberg. But, I mean, there's other questions assuredly like – I could just make a blank blanket statement and say, well, how can you really love your enemy if you're killing them? Right. And I would say you're loving, it's an act of love. It can be an act of love to kill your enemy. Mm-hmm. As weird as that sounds, because if someone breaks into my house and I defend my family, it's an act of love. And it's actually legit killing to kill that person who's breaking in you know, by state law and by the word of God, which mirrors that. And so it's not so much that I hate that person I'm killing, it's that I love the people I'm defending. And that's the old the old expression. You love those who are behind you and beside you, and you don't hate the person that's in front of you. I like that, because so, no matter what, it's yeah, the worst so it's, it's It's the love of the, your comrades that is, is uh, propelling you forward and has given you the, the, the onus to do what you're doing. And so it's it's not so much you hate that person. It's like, in, in fact, it's it's nothing personal. It's just you're just being a servant, mm-hmm. just like the judge who says you're going to have to die for your your crimes and it sends you off to the hangman. You know he doesn't have to bear you know uh, ill will towards you. 
He doesn't have to hate you. In fact, a famous example, and I'm forgetting his name, but the guy that ended up in Florida was given the, the electric chair. Um, Bundy, I think was his name. Ted Bundy? Yeah, Ted Bundy. Anyway, he did all this heinous stuff, but the, the judge, I can't remember, he's like, hey, man, and he can call him partner. He's like, hey, you know, I, I, bear, I bear you no ill will, mm. but you're going to have to pay for your crimes. It's just, it's just like that. It's like, right. I don't hate you. You know, it's like even I would say, if possible, to be unemotive. And that's, that's probably, it's difficult, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, in a firefight to be unemotive. But that's really the, the, the goal is just like, hey, this is just business. And not to be business, not to be like, you know, to be like, try to be cool here. But it's like, hey, look, this is, this is just, we're doing our job. And, 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 but you can be emotive about loving those around you. Yeah. And that's good. It's just when you try to get, you know, maybe passionate about, you know, waylaying people, you could possibly get into the other other side of things. Totally. And, totally. and you got to really watch that. But, so uh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, this, I think, we, I don't know. What do you think? Kind of fleshed out a lot of stuff here. Yeah, I feel good about it. It's a heady topic. There's a lot there. You could dive deep as heck if you wanted to and get into all the individual leadership that God gave, you know, Moses, Abraham, Joshua, David, Samson, all these warriors of yeah. the Bible. You get down to it, pull content, context out of it. Bottom line, it's how we apply it. We know right from wrong, right? It's built into us. We got the giant book we can read from every day, which is yeah. God's word, right, Re- revealed to us. So we know what's right and wrong, and, and we know that what we're doing is right, ultimately. And we need we need to be firm in that commitment and do what we can while we're on this earth to enact God's will. That's what he has for us, a portion in our life. That's our ministry at that time, moment in life. We either carry it out right or wrong. That's the balance. Uh, well said. Well said, Micah. Hey, so if you missed this, uh, Micah has a podcast. He's a founder of The Way Men's Fellowship. That's a podcast. Check that out. Uh, that is, uh, you can hear more things like this. Yep, yep. You, you want to know how to, you know, be a man, how to be a man of faith, how to make an impact. Uh, you're going to hear a lot about that, a lot of wisdom that the Lord gave uh, Micah. And then also rambling veteran, probably a, more, a little more relaxed atmosphere. Yep. <laughs> but it is, it's heady too. It's tough because we're riding the Harley to meet veterans that yeah. have overcame depression, suicide, PTSD, Ooh. and TBI, Very and good. how they overcame it and where they're at now and how they're giving back. So excellent, tied excellent. in closely. Yeah. So that's the Rambling Veteran and the Way Men's Fellowship, and then uh, of course, uh, you know, Mike is still working. He's giving back to the community, and he's still serving. So he's still in the warrior class. Mike, I'm uh, happy to be your friend and uh, to be your coworker and the things we're doing, and then also to be a fellow citizen Amen, with you brother. in the company of the saints. So uh, I wonder if uh, if I could ask you to maybe close this out with prayer. Yeah, I sure will. I didn't have anything prepared, but but yes. Off the um, cuff, man. <laughs> Threw you under the, the bus. Yeah. That's the best. Dear Lord, you know, we have to to um, just take a step back in the the pace, the the craziness of our lives, mm. especially if you're you're serving right now, which I know a lot of the listeners are, Lord, um, and just look out for these these young men and women, especially yeah. as we had this conversation with one of my students just a couple days ago, and in the, the the hardship that they're facing, Lord, trying to carry out your will for them as a man, as a family member, as a parent, as a son, daughter, whatever it is, and also to be the best soldier they are, which is yes. is being calculated. Um, that performance on a whole different scale um, that we base our lives from a biblical foundation, Lord, and how you see us every day. You know, there's a dichotomy there. So we pray for those in that role, 
Lord, um, that they'll be able to fulfill both duties. They'll be able to take your your role for them, your will, Lord, yes. in, in what they need to be carrying out each day and carrying that out, Lord, um, to the best of their ability, but also to be able to fulfill their duties down to their country and their families in the midst of that, which is a very hard balance. I'll give as much wisdom as I can to it, Lord, but ultimately it's not going to be Paul and I. It's going to be you who's okay. going to make the big movements in their life, Lord, and the big movements in our country's life and our nation's life and the world's life, all this violence, all this craziness going on right now, you're going to be the one for that change. So we have to remember that, you know, all the bullets, all the swords in the world are going to make a minute difference compared to just the peaceful transition, the calmness, the love, and the healing that you can bring, Lord. So we pray that um, amongst all those listening, Lord, um, and, and continuing, you know, um, and just helping them out through their struggles, Lord, Amen. and Amen. our struggles. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank, Thank you. you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Pinelander Podcast. If you enjoy our unique content, please consider supporting our sponsors. Soft News, providing special operations news from around the world. It's where Paul and I go to keep abreast of what's going on within the soft community. Check them out at soft.news. Blacksmith Publishing, been serving the warrior class since 2013. They have great titles written for warriors, by warriors, if you're looking for excellent reference material or just want to unwind with a great novel, be sure to check out the bookstore located at blacksmithpublishing.com. And if you're looking for some cool Pinelander apparel, head on over to the General Store located at pinelandergeneralstore.com. That's all one word, pinelandergeneralstore.com. Have a great selection of shirts, hats, jackets, sweaters, stickers, patches, artwork, and a whole lot more. Check out the store at PinelanderGeneralStore.com. If you're interested in helping develop our country's next generation of warriors, uh, please consider donating to the American Agogi Project. The mission of the project is to foster an environment producing able-bodied citizen warrior men of fine character. And we'll be officially launching the project in 2023 in celebration of uh, Blacksmith Publishing's 10th anniversary. Until our next meeting, stay mentally and tactically smart, physically and spiritually strong, and socially astute. To each other, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. May God continue to bless Pineland.